Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Well, good morning, church. It's good to be with you. As we're still in a largely at-home posture right now, we've been taking this opportunity to hear the scriptures read from the homes of people within our community. And so if you have a Bible near you, I encourage you to open it to John 15 and turn your attention to the reading of the word by the Luanga family. Good morning, First Press. We are the Luanga family. My name is Mark. This is Leanne. This is Carrie Ann and Evan and Caleb. And today, our scripture lesson comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 13. And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my, to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that, my, that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. My wife and I, we have two boys. One of them is about to turn two and the other is about to turn four. And so believe me when I say that we listen to a lot of Disney soundtracks, okay? When we're in mommy's car, we, we, that's what we do. We've got Disney compilations. So if you ever find yourself on a game show or some situation where you need to know like obscure lyrics from The Lion King, Wreck-It Ralph, or Aladdin or something like that, you, you need to have my wife on your phone a friend, okay? Because, because she knows what's going on there. Then on the other hand, in daddy's truck, we listen to country music because that's what you're supposed to do when you're in a truck, and this has been a good balance for us up until this point, but as, as our son Judah gets older, he's starting to ask me more and more questions about the lyrics to these songs. So the other day, he, he asked, Daddy, why is 
that man's brother in jail. What did he do? And I had to say, I, I don't know. I don't know. The song didn't tell us. Or, Daddy, why doesn't he love her like he used to? Which, <laughs> which is, you know, a song actually about falling more in love, but sounds like falling out of love. You know, we're also in the truck allowed to listen to Taylor Swift. And I know Taylor Swift and country radio is, is maybe kind of a spread, but but Taylor Swift, you have to understand, is the voice of a generation when it comes to love songs, okay? I came across a post on Reddit on, online recently in which a person had analyzed all of Taylor Swift's lyrics, and they determined that she sings about love and relationships about 80% of the time. And half of that time, it's about breaking up or unrequited love. So between country radio and Taylor Swift, We've been talking about love a lot lately in Daddy's Truck. Love and love gone wrong. I'm not suggesting that Taylor Swift should be the only barometer for how we gauge what's happening in our culture, but I think it's safe to say that we're generally not all that good at love as a society. I mean, this should not be a surprise for us. Our world, our nation, our extended families, it feels like they're tearing themselves apart right now. Division just runs rampant. There was a Netflix documentary that came out not too long ago called The Social Dilemma. And this movie describes a lot of the shadowy side of social media, including how social media tends to show different content depending on your age and where in the country you live, which makes sense. They want to keep you scrolling and seeing people that agree with you and things that are in your interest. But, but what happens is it actually just serves to reinforce biases in our culture. Similarly, it's been pointed out that we, we don't really have a common news source anymore. Instead of facts presented, what happened today presented on the nightly news, we, we tend to get pundits listening, uh, who are on blatantly biased podcasts and radio shows and news networks, and everything in our world today just seems so divisive. If we try to just, you know, kind of go with the flow, just drift along, we, we actually are going to find ourselves drifting apart because that's just where... Everything seems to be headed. But we find out in our text today that that's, that's not an option for us. In verse 12, Jesus says, This is my command, love each other as I have loved you. And that's not just vaguely have love for people, but to actively love each other. And I think that deep down we really do want to love one another. We want to get along with others. We want to know and be known. We want to have loving families and friendships marriages, etc. but we, we just seem to struggle. And here's my hypothesis for us today. On our own, we're always going to struggle. But when we encounter Jesus' love for us, it actually changes us, and then we can truly love others. When we encounter Jesus' love, it changes us, and we can love others. In his classic work, The Four Loves, author C.S. Lewis unpacks four ancient Greek words for love. There's kind of a family love, love between friends, and then, and then romance. And these generally fall into a kind of category that, that sounds a bit like transactional love, like a love based especially on having one's needs met. These loves would say, I love you because of how you make me feel, because you satisfy something in me. It's like saying, I love a glass of ice water after mowing the lawn because it just quenches my thirst. Or I love our friendship because you just always know how to make me laugh or you're always there for me. 
to some extent, these loves, they have kind of this underwritten, underlying contract. It's not malicious, but it's, it's kind of like if I put X in, I really kind of expect Y in return. But these loves, they, they, they hint at a, another kind of love, and it's a love that changes things, that, that makes our world better in a deep and real way. It's a radical and selfless love, a love that says, I want you to be filled. I want you to be whole no matter what it costs me, no matter what it takes from me. This is a kind of love that transforms our hearts, that reshapes our thinking so that we actually become people who see the world through a new lens. We grow to see people as being people to be loved at all costs because that's how God sees them. And this, this type of love, this love is the call of our passage today. It's to know Christ's radical love for us and then for us to love others, to live our lives for others. So the question is, how do we know, how do we encounter this kind of love from Jesus for us? Well, as we've walked through Lent together as a church, we've been looking at what is called the farewell discourse in John's gospel. These are some of Jesus' final words to his followers before his death. And as part of this final instruction, Jesus tasks his disciples to remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So this word remain, it shows up 11 times in our passage today. In other Bible translations, it's often translated abide in me or stay in me, or my favorite, make your home in me. Make your home in me as I also make my home in you. And Jesus says, when this happens, when we make our homes in Christ, our lives become fruitful. There was a a young adult who who went through our Alpha course with us last winter, and I was talking to a friend of his uh, a few months after he'd gone through the course, and the friend said, you know, he, he was really heading down a pretty dark path. He was feeling lost, he was making some bad choices, and his life was kind of starting to fall apart. But now, six months later, he's following Jesus. He's pursuing a job in education because he wants to actually serve others, and and he's thinking about proposing to his girlfriend. And when I talked to him about this pretty dramatic shift in his life, he said encountering Jesus at Alpha was what changed his life. And this is the kind of difference that Jesus makes in our lives. Not that everything's perfect with this guy from Alpha now, but, but love and joy and kindness are starting to grow in a space that they weren't before. Because when we encounter Jesus' love for us, it actually changes us, and we can then love others. Love grows in our lives when we make our homes with Christ, and so the question is, how do we do that? How do we remain or abide in Christ? There's a few ways to kind of get at this. One way is to look back and see how Jesus has talked about remaining or abiding in him up until this point of John's gospel. We can do that by, by tracking the Greek word meno throughout the scriptures. So early in the Gospel of John, the followers of John the Baptist see Jesus and they say, Rabbi, where are you staying? Where are you making your home? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying or making his home, and they spent that day with him. They remained with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew was one of the two who heard what John said and followed Jesus, and the first thing he did was to find his brother Simon and say, we have found the Messiah. Jesus, where are you making your home? Come and see. And they made their home where he made his home. This is the same call to us today. Come and make your home with Jesus. 
Respond to Jesus. And once you have, continue that conversation. We continue the conversation. We talk honestly with Jesus through prayer and our relationship with him continues to grow throughout our lives. Another place that this verb, meno, is active is John 6. After feeding the 5,000, Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life. I will raise them up in the last day. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains, makes their home in me and I in them. Later in the Gospels, Jesus would break bread and pour wine and say, this is my body, this is my blood, a new covenant. This is what we practice in the Lord's Supper. We come together and the Holy Spirit lifts us to the presence of God as we partake of the elements. Well, then in John 8, Jesus says to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide, if you make your home in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, God's word shapes us. It, it shapes our lives. In our passage today, Jesus says that God is at work kind of like a good gardener, that the father cuts off every branch that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it'll be even more fruitful. I started gardening this past summer. We, we built these big old gardening boxes, planter boxes, and we planted basil and a bunch of other things in these crazy tomato bushes. And I felt really, really silly cutting down the basil and pruning the basil plant. But as months went on, the basil actually grew stronger. It grew more full. We had more basil than we really knew what to do with. But then on the other hand, I, I wasn't so sure what to do with the tomato bush. I didn't know I was supposed to prune it, and I never took a picture of it because I was kind of embarrassed by it. But, but here's what it's supposed to look like, okay? This is what these little tomato bushes are supposed to turn out as. And I promise you, mine did not look quite like that, okay? I, 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 I got a little tiny, little tiny cage that it then grew up, lifted the cage out of the ground. It got to the point where I was pounding rebar in to try and prop this thing up. And all the while, I can't get to the fruit to pluck all of it, so it's just rotting on the vine. That's not how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be great. Pruning actually ends up as an act of love. It seems painful, but, but it's an act of love. And Jesus tells his disciples here that you are already clean. And this word clean is the same word for prune. You're already pruned, you're already cleaned because of the word I have spoken to you. Isn't it true that the word of the Lord cuts, snips away, trims? Jesus' words do surgery on our lives, on our hearts. The disciples are not the same men that they were three years ago when Jesus called them to follow him. They have been transformed by the hearing, being challenged by, and walking with God's word. So we make our home in Christ as we give our lives over to Jesus. And then as we continue that conversation, as we continue the relationship in prayer, as we join together in the Lord's Supper, and as we feast on, internalize, and are shaped by the word of the Lord, both as a community and, as, and in our private daily rhythms. But there's actually more. We look ahead a few verses in the passage, and in verse 10, Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and I remain in his love. So the question is, what are, what are Jesus' commands? Well, there's a lot, but we come back to this critical instruction. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other. One scholar says that love makes both the lover and the beloved more truly human. We remember in Genesis, God said, let 
us make humans in our image. And we know from the New Testament that God is love. So it stands to reason that humans are absolutely designed to exhibit love. And whenever we love others as God loves us, we become more and more the beings that we were created to be. And so does the person being loved. This love, which, which is born out of making your home in Jesus, it, it gets expressed in a variety of ways. Christ's call for us is, is not one size fits all, but a call to adventure, a call to follow. And we can look at the history of the church to see plenty of examples of this. Because of Christ's love, Christians in the early days of the church were actually known for rescuing children that had been abandoned by their parents. It was a common practice in the ancient world. And, and they would rescue them, they would adopt them, they would raise them as their own because of the love of Christ. In the fourth century, the church committed to this huge building campaign, creating hospitals for the care of the sick and the dying, that they would know the love of Christ. In the 19th century, compelled by Jesus' love, Christians in Great Britain worked to abolish the slave trade. Or how about this one? Compelled by the love of Christ in 2020, First Pres of Colorado Springs raised over $100,000 for its Give Back the Blessing offering in the early days of a global pandemic. These are all examples of love on a grand scale, but I would add to this, driven by the love of Christ just a few months ago, a very kind member of First Press surprised a pair of exhausted young parents with two kids under four with a home-cooked meal, a delicious dessert, and coffee beans, which I would say coffee actually might be one of the fruit of the spirit, but that's <laughs> for another day. When we encounter Jesus' love, it challenges us and it changes us, and then we can truly love others. And we love them in a way that just builds them up. But there's something else that happens when we selflessly love others. This love somehow transfers to Jesus. In one of his parables, Jesus said, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you actually did for me. Apparently, God has created us with the ability to offer love back to him. The Christian knows that every stranger we feed or clothe is Christ. So that's the first half of verse 12. But there's actually more. Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. And so the question is, what, how has Christ loved us? Well, in the next verse, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. There's an old story about American prisoners in the Second World War who were made to do incredibly hard labor in a prison camp. Each of the prisoners had, had a shovel that they were responsible for. They'd dig all day and then come back at night and turn the shovel back in in the evening. One night, 20 prisoners were lined up by a guard and the shovels were counted, but, but the guard only found 19 shovels. Furious, furious, he turned to the 20 prisoners and demanded to know who had misplaced their shovel. No one said a word. Well, finally, the guard pulled out his weapon and, and said that he would shoot five of the men if the guilty prisoner didn't step forward. After a moment of silence, this 19-year-old soldier took a step forward with his head hung low. The guard immediately grabbed him, took him off to the side, and shot him. After the guard had walked away, the remaining prisoners, they counted up the shovels again and they found that actually there were 20 there. The guard had miscounted and the young man had willingly sacrificed his life for his friends. 
So just imagine this for a second. In a few seconds of silence, this boy weighed his entire future, potential wife, maybe some kids, a career, and he chose death so that others might live. Greater love has no one than this. Jesus offers this teaching the night before he is about to lay down his own life. When Jesus says, there is no greater love than to give your life away for your friends, he knows what he's saying. He knows what's about to happen and he doesn't want his dear friends to fail to understand the love that he has for them. And I would add that he doesn't want you to fail to understand the love that he has for you. At this point, Jesus looks ahead to what is to come. He knows what's around the corner. And we, the church and the disciples, are about to find out. In John's gospel and in our Lenten journey together, we're about to come to Good Friday. We're about to come to the betrayal by Judas, to Jesus' arrest, to the flogging, the beating, to the mocking, the ridicule. We're about to come to Jesus' long walk to Calvary, to the nails in his hands, to the nails in his feet. We're going to witness hours of agony slowly suffocating under the weight of the sin of all of humanity. Jesus commanded, love each other as I have loved you. And how has Jesus loved us? He's loved us with his life. Jesus came to give his life that we might have life. So friends, we have to know this and embrace this love. For without it, we can never truly love others. We might experience romance and desire, friendship and family, but, but something greater will always be missing until we are tapped into the deep, deep well that is God's love for us in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you that we can know you through Jesus, that we can know your love, that you fill us up and we can love others. And so Lord, this day, we lift our hearts to you, asking that you would continue to make yourself known to us, that we would be aware of your presence that your love would be present in our lives in a way that others could not help but see it. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.